might not have made it to the gym today, right? All right, you made it. Congratulations. I'm just going to sit this down. All right, yeah, I was sitting there. I was very excited. I felt a little more tone as I sat there, more and more. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. What a privilege and honor. I have had the privilege of knowing Trudy for, gosh, I don't know, maybe 16 years. And um, she was one of the first pastor's wives that I met at the uh, Calvary Chapel pastors. I think a, a mutual friend had introduced us to the conference. And I fell in love with her, as I'm sure all of you have, and just so admire her. And just everything about her, her passion, her love, her uh, love for the Lord, love for other people, love for fashion. I don't know. Just She just she sums it up. I like, I like all those things. So um, it's, I was praying actually for oh, just, just for your church and for you and just asking the Lord just what he had for you um, tonight. And he just, the Lord's just showing me he has, he's so well pleased with you. He is, you are firmly planted and strategically placed in the city, in, in Pasadena, but you're strategically positioned to reach this city. And you are, are called for such a time as this. And that's the word that he was giving me for all of you is that it's no mistake. You didn't just end up here. Am I lisping? I feel like I'm like sharp. But anyway, I don't normally have a lisp, just so you know. But, if, um, but I will tonight. So, but he has called you and he is so pleased with your hunger. And he's called you to reach the city for touch at such a time as this. And so that's just what the Lord put on my heart. That's it. Thanks for, no, I'm just kidding. All right. All right. So I thought since you know a little bit about me, I will show you my picture of my kids. Here they are. They are, she is, this is Kennedy. She's almost 15. Um, she'll be 15 next month. This is Colin. He's 13. Kate, he's 11. Micah, who is n- nine. And this is, I'm not going to have any more children. This is my Macy. And she just turned six. That was, the Lord said, yes, you are. So he obviously won out on that one, right? So they are amazing. They are my lifeline. They keep me going. They're spunky. They're incredible. And it's, it's such a privilege to, um, to be their mom. I, um, I actually wanted to share one of the things I was thinking about. I, I went bathing suit shopping with my 15-year-old, which if you've never done that, don't, okay, because it's dangerous. First of all, the people that made the two pieces are not the same people that made the one pieces. Have you put that together? The people that made the one pieces are like on the B team of design. Have you noticed that? They have the cutest two pieces. And you're, my daughter naturally wants to have a two piece. And I'm trying to guide her over here to the one pieces. But they haven't changed since the 80s, apparently. <laughs> have you noticed that? I'm like, are they angry? They do not want us to be covered up. And so this is what happened. I'll just be honest with you. So my daughter talks me in to getting a two-piece. Okay, I don't wear two pieces. I, I really would like something like scuba-like but fashionable, right, with maybe fringe on the bottom or something. So she talked, no, Mom, this is it. And I'm knowing, I know better than this. I'm driving home going, I'm going to have to return this, right? I get home. Sure enough, I'm like, oh, good heavens. And I'm thinking I'm going to wear a tank top. I would not even wear a tank top over it. I wouldn't wear a muumuu over it. It was just awful. And so I just, I don't know, I just felt led to share that it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. And it's not fair to go with a 15-year-old. So don't do that, grandchildren, whatever. Whatever it seems like a good idea, don't let them talk. Probably not even a good idea for fashion. 
you know, my, my daughter was just recently with my mom, and she said she did my hair and, and makeup, and I went out. And I'm like, oh, bless your heart, because she's wanted to do that to me for a long time, and I just had the willpower to say no. No, thank you. No, thank you. So I do my own hair and nails. Um, but anyway, kids are a lot of fun, and I, um, it, it, like I said, it's just a privilege to be here. Let me just pray. Jesus, I, I adore you. I love you with all my heart, and it's such a privilege to be here with women who love you, who came to hear from nothing short of you. So I pray that all of me would fall away, and that, Lord, tonight we would hear you are Lord of the harvest, and that we would hear your heart tonight, that we would be transformed by your word. We would be, have our hearts would line up with yours. We'd see what you see, say what you say, hear what you hear, and feel what you feel. Change us, Lord. We came here for nothing short of that. We're hungry, and we know that you are the one who satisfies. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. How many of you saw Schindler's List? All right. There's a great part in the final scene of Schindler's List where Oscar Schindler, who's a wealthy man that has saved so many Jews, He's saying goodbye to the people that he saved. And ironically, as they are getting their freedom, he's actually becoming a fugitive. He's going to have to, to remain the rest of his life as a fugitive. And he looks down at his gold pen, and he begins to tremble as he's saying goodbye. And he, and he looks at him, he said, I could have had one more. And he goes over to his car, and he's like, why didn't I sell this? Why didn't I could have gotten one more? And the people, there's 1,100 Jews surrounding him. And his heart is breaking to the point of almost like looking mad, like looking like he's losing his mind because he's like, I could have had one more. I could have done more. I could have done more. And the people are shaking their heads like, no, you look, look, you saved us. And he just keeps on trembling, saying, I could have done more. I shudder to think sometimes that at the end of our lives, we might be in that same place of saying, I could have done more. Our text tonight that we're looking at is Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I'm sorry, I just raced right in that and didn't give you time. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And I'm sorry, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It's, it's my favorite translation, so I'm sorry if yours may be just a little different. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now this word harvest means, it means the process or period of gathering crops. And so most of us in this room are not farmers. And so the word harvest is a little bit removed from our own. Like we don't necessarily, I don't know about you, but I don't like drum up this big vision of me on a tractor when I think about harvest, right? So I think what for, for the sake of us, city girls, we're going to say it's the souls that Jesus has prepared for us to gather. That's what the word harvest means. 
And in the Greek, it means the reaping, the, the verse is, the reaping is abundant, but the toilers are puny in number. Isn't that, that's kind of harsh, right? They're puny in number. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people for us to reach. But yet, the, one of the greatest dangers in the modern church is that we don't see it as a priority. It actually comes as a last, a last priority for most of us. Um, a million, there were people surveyed, a million people that were surveyed. And uh, I don't actually don't know, it says millions. But I, I don't actually know if it was millions. But anyway, of all the Christians that were surveyed, the number came up that 98% of them do not actively share the faith. What in the world are they doing? 2% of Christians today are sharing their faith. This is the only reason we're left on earth, is to bring glory to God and to gather the souls that Jesus has prepared for us to gather. If you think about it, Jesus did not, the, the souls that he ministered to, they, he did not just wait for sit in the temple and wait for them to come to him. Of 132 um, contacts that he had in the scriptures, only four of them were in synagogues. Six were in the temple, and 122 were out on the streets. See, the crazy thing about it is, is that this, Jesus went out into the mainstream, and he reached the people. He didn't wait for them to come and reach him. In our, our world right now, there's a billion, we have, there's about 7 billion people on the planet. 1 billion of them are slum dwellers, meaning they live out of trash cans and in trash dumps. 1 billion. Is that a crazy number? 1 billion. There's 150 million orphans. I know that in Los Angeles County, we have more orphans than any other city in the, world, in, the, in the United States. We have like over 22,000 orphans that are waiting to be adopted. That's another story for another day, but a passion. All right. 72 women and children are taken into trafficking daily. Uh, there's 15,000 births every hour. So while we're sitting here, 15,000 people on the planet are being born and 6,300 6, are dying. Isn't that amazing? In one hour. So there's 360,000 people are born every day. And no, I did not just do that math right there. So just, that's for my friend Janine. I got to keep honesty in the house of God, right? All right. Right now, currently in California, you have to be 15 to have a sex change without parental consent. The age is 12 in Sweden. And Right now, that is in California, but as the saying goes, as California goes, so goes the world. We are the influence capital of the world. The harvest is plentiful. It is time for the church to rise up. We are the sleeping giant. The government was never intended to save the world. The church was. We are too, and obviously we know that we don't save people, but we gather them, we share our faith, and Jesus does the work. He's already done the work. But we are intended to go. The church is to be the answer, not the government, which gives us great relief. Amen? All right. 
When did we become so afraid of man that we won't even tell him the greatest thing that's ever happened? If I were about to knock this platform over, I am sure, or I were, if this were a platform and I were to walk off of it, any one of you would come to my rescue. And yet people are walking off to their death, eternal hell, and we're not telling them. The harvest is plentiful. That's why Jesus left us here on earth. And you know, it's not a duty issue. It's not that we're not doing our duty. I really believe the core of it is the love issue. It's an identity issue. We need to know who we are. We know that we're children of God. We're not afraid. We're not afraid anymore to share with the, that he's transformed our life. But some of us are still so stuck in our own little stuff and our brokenness that we are like, I don't have it any more figured out than them. And it's true. We're all broken. We're just broken in different amounts of pieces, right? And our only... Our, the only difference is that we have Jesus. We're not supposed to have it all together. We're supposed to have, I've collected what I needed to do in the field. Do I need to follow it through and go and stalk her? No. She has my number. She wants to call me back, and I'll be there for her. But otherwise, I just let, let Jesus go and bring her the next person. They're, they're, they're confused. And they're confused at why we're not doing our job, quite frankly. Aren't the Christians supposed to be the nice ones? Are they the ones that judge? Are they the ones that I feel most uncomfortable with? You know, you're going to meet some of the nicest people you've ever met in church, and then you're going to meet some of the worst people you've ever met in church, and that is no different from Target, right? Right? Or Trader Joe's, or wherever your place of business, the place where you go. They're confused. They need hope. They need truth. They're sheep without a shepherd which means that they're going to follow any fad or guru or anything, anything that has a glimmer of a hope. They're going to follow that because they're looking for him. And you have him, so you can give him him, and then you'll have more of him. Amen? That's a great, it's, a, it's amazing how the kingdom of God works. In no other place would you be able to give something away and then have more of it. Years ago, there was a, um, a, a seminary, these researchers were doing um, some research at a a seminary, and they wanted to see if people that were in seminary were truly people that practiced their faith. And so what they did is they said they want to do an impromptu, have them do an impromptu room and uh, speech in a certain room, and they had to, um, they were recording them, and so they had them go over there, and they had planted an actor, and they were having them do an impromptu speech, I'm sorry, on the Good Samaritan, and they had planted an actor along the way, and these seminary students on their way would encounter this guy, and they all had like their separate times, so it was all at different times. Some of the seminary students, about 75%, stepped over the man that was, they literally had to step over him to get to where they were going. And at first you go, oh my goodness, they must have been evil, and then you go, oh my goodness, that's all. They had somewhere to go. They had some anxiety. They were distracted. And they stepped over. The guy that needed the help. The guy they were going to talk about. And that's so much like us. We have to stop. We have to see people. We have to be connected with the Father. It's not a prayer and a devotion in the morning and then we run off on our way and do our day. It's every day being filled up and showing, show me who needs you today besides me. Show me who else. Let me, let me go and give your love to every single person I meet. 
And if I am moving too fast, I don't know about you, I miss it completely. I miss giving my children Jesus. Lots of mornings, unless I've had coffee, right? That's another story. All right. Jesus saw the lost people as distressed. If you saw a distressed person, you would stop, right? They're all distressed. They look like they don't want to be engaged. It's because they're scared. They're lost. They're looking for hope. And they have no idea that we have got the answer, and they can too. Jesus saw the harvest as a priority. It is persistence, not perfection, that he's looking for in us. We need to feel what Jesus feels. We need to see what he sees. We need to be overwhelmed for the harvest. We need to be overwhelmed. And if we don't feel that way right now and you think, you know what? I did everything I could just to get here and to sit here and not cry or not walk out. That's okay, too. It's just an indication that you might need a little bit more to know Jesus' love for you because Jesus' love heals us. It changes, and it's okay. I'm, believe me, I've been in that space before, too. I mean, we all have. But these, this is Jesus' priority. And the great thing about it is it's not Jesus wants to use us to do his work. It's that Jesus allows us and involves us to be ministers of reconciliation. We are the pastors of this city. You don't need to be sworn in. You've already been sworn in. You are a minister of reconciliation. You know, I got this vision a couple of years ago, and it was steeples over all the homes of the people that were Christians. And I just thought, as we look out in over the city to see, could we see those steeples of this is a place where you can come, your neighbors can come and get love. Your neighbors can know you are a safe place, that they can cry, that you will pray. And don't ask people if you can pray for them, just pray for them. That's really overrated, the whole asking thing. I, my motto in life is better to get forgiven than get permission. You know, because I had people so many times, they'll say, I say, I'm going to pray for you. And they'll go, okay. And then they will, I'm like, where are you going? I'm praying for you. Come here. And it, but just pray for people. I have never, ever had somebody stop me and go, now I did have a Jehovah's Witness last week that was looking through his Bible while I was praying, but I didn't care because I know that, that God's word was going forth and will never return void. And I was not looking for permission from him. So anyway, the harvest, the souls that are to be gathered are a priority. They're a priority for Jesus and they should be a priority for us. I hate using the word should be. I don't mean to make, there's no guilt here. There's no condemnation. I, my heart and my hope is to inspire every single one of us to go, to go and give love. See, the amazing thing is being in ministry. Some of us think, well, you got it easy. You're in ministry. Well, we can laugh at that. And then we can know that each one of us are in ministry and we're all missionaries and we're just set about the city. And the good thing about being missionaries in the United States is that we have nice little homes and cars to drive, right? No dirt floors, no Ziki bars, or hopefully not anyway, right? And no, you know, weird bugs or lizards coming in in the middle of the night. I'm for urban missions, not... <laughs> I was wired that way. At one point I was, con I was convinced that the Lord was going to send me to Africa. Not that I don't love the Africans. I just don't like all the things that go with Africa. But I will go one day. Um, just like the parable of the lost sheep. Let's call the lost sheep Sheila. Let's give her a name. 
Sheila isn't bad. She just got distracted. She just wandered off. She lost her way. She wasn't rebelling. But we know God loves the rebels. She was dying for somebody to help her find her way back. She's hurting. She's afraid. She's ashamed. She's embarrassed. She doesn't know how she got here. She's not evil, just slipping through the cracks. Because we all are like Sheila. The Bible says we're all like Sheila and have gone astray, right? We've all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all gone astray. We're all distracted. So we can't judge the people that are distracted because they just don't know the truth. Even us who know the truth get distracted. But to know that, the, that, that Jesus would leave the 99 to go after the one. We're all overdosing on good and forsaking best. We don't judge them. We go after the Sheilas. We love the Sheilas back to the flock. We look for the Sheilas. We ask the Lord, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see that lost one. Let me see the one that's just gone astray. Because in her heart, she knows she's gone astray even more than sometimes they don't know they've gone astray. But to be able to love and lead, lead back. That's the priority. That's the priority. That's the reason that we're here on earth, to bring glory to Jesus. So what can we do? What can we do? I'm so glad you asked. We can take responsibility for our field. We are co-laborers with Christ. It says we are co-laborers with God's field, and we are his building. We can take responsibility for our field. We can think of all the people that we know, our neighbors. You know, all of our mission fields look different. And, you know, like I said, some people think, well, if I could just only be in ministry full time, it would, everything would click. No. I tell people all the time, I tell Trudy this tonight. I, the Lord, the only reason he put me into ministry is like, okay, we're going to put her in a fishbowl. We're going to have five kids. We're going to have a husband. We're going to pin this girl down so she can be saved. But you have been trusted to go out into the field. There, there is no difference between the secular and the sacred. There's no difference between those two. Don't think that you're doing less than or you weren't chosen because you're not a pastor or a pastor's wife or a hospitality leader. We're all chosen. We're all been strategically placed. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Whether we're ra- washing dishes or raising the dead, the pay is the same, right? We have eternity with Jesus. But we better not be washing dishes when we're supposed to be raising dead or raising the dead when we're supposed to be washing dishes. It's just being in tune with Jesus and knowing what he's called us to do for right now. I can't forsake my kids to go out and reach other people when I'm supposed to be home with my kids and vice versa. And when God's called me to go, I better go. And the same for us. I don't want to miss any opportunities. I don't want to be at the end of my life and say, I could have done more. I could have done more. We need to know there's a sense of urgency and priority and that Jesus will give us everything we need. And sometimes we're so broken or so frustrated because we're looking for what our purpose in all the wrong places when really it's in that field. It's going after and going and gathering. And that's our manna. And that's what makes us not depressed. And if you are struggling with depression or whatever, go find somebody to help. You know, I have a child that is in a wheelchair. Um, he has special needs. He, at, at, nine, at seven months old, he got the swine flu, and it attacked his autoimmune system, and he's been in a wheelchair. And he will walk one day. 
because that's between he and Jesus. But I go to children's hospital a lot. And I can feel sorry for myself sometimes, quite frankly. And all I need to do is make a visit to children. And I'm like, come on, Micah, we're going home, you know, after we do our visits. Because all you need to do is to see somebody else's trial. And you go, okay, Lord, I'll take mine. I'll take mine back. (laughs) I gave it to you this morning. I'll take it back. This life is so temporary. We don't know when our last breath and our last day will be. We want to take as many people with us. And we can pray. We can pray. We can pray. So what does Jesus say? He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers. So not only are we to go and gather, but we are to pray like we've never prayed before. We are to pray and to ask God. And, and I think Second Corinthians, uh, um, Second Chronicles 7.14 is one of the greatest formulas for prayer, if formula is okay to say. Prayer strategies. How about that? That sounds better. But if we humble, if we pray, if we seek the Lord's face, if we turn from our wicked ways, when we seek the Lord's face, when we seek the word of God, and we go, oh, I've been doing it wrong. I am so sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. And we turn and we stop doing that. And then it says he's going to do what? He's going to hear from heaven, right? He's, gonna, he's going to, to move. He's going to hear. He's going to heal. And he's going to forgive us the greatest prayer strategy I think that I could ever want in any area of our life. That's not what we're really talking about tonight, but I just feel led to tell you that. In any of your area of your life, go back to the Word. See where you've forsaken the Word. Go back. Humble yourself. Turn, seek the praise. Turn and, and from your wicked ways and seek the Lord. And He will He'll do all that for any area of our life. But we need to do that for a city. You don't know. You are giants. You are prayer warriors. You are the pastors of this city. You are called to stand up and rise up everywhere your foot treads. You usher in God's presence. You change atmospheres because you have the Holy Spirit power inside of you. Trader Joe's can be transformed forever. I'm working on mine. I love Trader Joe's. It's the only place I ever go. Really. You don't know the truth. That and TJ Maxx. Um, but you can go wherever you go. Love people. Say, ask them, how can I pray for you? No one's going to say, uh, I'm good. No. How can I pray for you? If you don't, I'm going to make something up. You know? It, it, have fun. Be funny. You know? So we all have... That's my strategy anyway. Maybe everybody can tell you that's not working. But anyway, in my mind it is. Okay. And we can go. Just go. The gospel begins with G-O. We got to go. And it's not like we have to go to Africa, and it's not like we have to go down to South Central. And if that's where you're called, if that's where God gives you the vision for, that's great. But wherever you do, wherever we go, be mindful, be intentional, be present. Get off our phones, right? It's hard. You know, it's, it's, it's hard because sometimes this breaks the momentum of being present, and being present before people. And people, if you look in their eyes, you see they're lost. They're perplexed. They're dying inside. And we need, we need to be mindful. We need to ask, Lord, do you have a word for this person? It's not like we have to be weird or funky. But just to say, hey, you know what? The Lord told me you're going through something. And I just want to tell you, I'm going to pray. We're here right now. And they start walking off. Come back. I'm praying for you. We can keep our eyes open if that makes you more comfortable. Because sometimes I do that because, you know, I'll be like, I don't want anybody to know I'm having a problem. But just to be able to, to, to be present with people. And we share our story. 
We've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony is powerful. I wish I had time to share mine. God plucked me out. I, was, I had been through all this stuff and was abducted and yada yada. And, and God just, he just cradled me. He wooed me and he wooed me. And I'd run away and he'd woo and he went, run away, woo, run away. You know, until finally I was like, why am I running from you? You love me. Everybody has a story, and no one's going to tell you you're lying. I would never meet anybody anyway. They say, Jesus changed my life. You need to know. I wasn't one of those good people. He loved me back to life. And that's why we're still here. He's calling us to love this city back to life. We can commit to fulfilling the Great Commission. We can commit, commit to making it a priority in our life. I want to leave you with this thought. Jesus said that in Mark, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Have you ever preached to a horse? I don't think that's what he meant. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Whoever believes and is baptized and will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will be made well. In Matthew 15, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I often wonder why we don't see as many signs and wonders here. And I'm not seeking after signs and wonders, but it says that if we go, you know, in Mozambique, Africa, the poorest place on the planet, the dead are raised. It's a common event. But sometimes I think we never went. We never stepped out on a limb. We never stepped out where we needed to have those signs in a company. Because sometimes when we don't know where to go and we step out, we do need a sign. We need Jesus to, I'll never forget our, our youth pastor's wife, she was, telling a story she was in colombia and she was um she's maybe she was in brazil praying for a woman and a woman said i need she was telling her about jesus and she said okay if your jesus is real then i have a tumor in my belly right now and i need him and so they have this translator and she doesn't even speak the language and so she's like her prayer was jesus this woman thinks you're going to kill her tumor so you better do it right now and her stomach completely shrunk and the tumor was healed. If we step out in faith, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be pretty. And we're not responsible for the results. We don't have to explain God. We know that he is faithful. But it's time. It's time. And I encourage us to rise up. We're ministers of reconciliation. That's the greatest title I could ever even imagine, is that we get to minister reconciliation with God and man. Is that amazing? Amen. Thank you so much. I have a video, short video for you. Thank you so much. I bless you. I thank you. You are an amazing group of women. And God has just filled my heart as I was praying for you this week of just what of your hunger for him. He is the Lord of the harvest. Let him lead us. Amen.